0: Welcome to Bloom Box Growing Deeper. I'm Sarah. I'm Hannah, and we're on a mission to help you become the gardener you want to be. Hello gardeners, this is Sarah here alone today with an interview that we are so excited to bring you this time of year. Um, about nut trees, So we are going to talk to Dave Zahn, a grower and lover of Nebraska nut trees, um, to just talk about what grows here and the challenges and successes and um, just everything timely to this part of the year. So Dave, do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself?
1: Thank you, Sarah. It's good to be here. Uh, I've lived in Odo County my whole life and uh, have experience along the lines of nut trees because of the Nebraska Nut Grower Association. Uh, I've been a member since 1990, and my experience is all just a seat of the pants. In uh, the early 90s, I was initially interested in in growing black walnut for saw logs, and just a year or so in, after I'd planted the seedlings, I... uh, was challenged by one of the people of the Nebraska nut growers to consider trying to grow nuts while I was waiting for 60 years for the saw log to, to develop. So it's it's been the right direction for me. Lots of help over the years, lots of uh, old timers that had the background and And got me started on grafting and so forth. So that's how I've come here today.
0: That's really interesting. I did not know that's how you got your start was planning to do timber. Yes. My grandpa grew up in Odell. And I don't know a lot about this. It happened when I was very young. But when the family farm moved on, they had planted a walnut grove. And the timber was harvested. And most of it was sold as inheritance for people but each family kept a little bit of that wood and it was made into I remember a grandfather clock and a, a table that was made out of that it makes me wonder I know they were always eating walnuts I know there was always buckets yes. of walnuts everywhere but I don't know if it was planned to be harvested for nuts or just waiting for the timber.
1: Well, the people that I've bumped into over the years all have, most have memories of their grandparents, or grandmothers in particular, cracking or picking the meats from the walnuts. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, there
0: was always nutcrackers and, and picking things and yes. bowls and stuff. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So, are you where you are planting? Is this on your on your farm and acreage? Well
1: where where Julie and I live, there are. Uh, Julie's my wife. There are. Uh, A number of grafted trees uh, around our house. That's Mm -hmm. roughly 15 acres. But we got started in Johnson County, just to the south of us, about eight miles on a a small farm, about 100 acres, uh, uh, small fields and meadows and a creek running through it. Not not very desirable for ag Mm -hmm. crops, but worked perfectly for growing trees.
0: Yeah, I got to come visit you a couple of years ago to do some acorn harvesting yes. and it's a beautiful property. Thank you. Yeah.
1: Well, we uh, we did. We started in 19 um, excuse me. <coughs> we started in 1986 purchasing the property, started planting in 1987 and again specifically thinking walnut timber. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. And then later years, 1990, thereabouts, started planting with an idea for orchard production.
0: Yeah, that part of the state has a history of orchard production, Yes, nuts and fruits.
1: Down in the Brownville Mm -hmm. area and along the Missouri, very important.
0: Yeah. So one of the reasons we picked this episode today is because... We are always surprised by the number of people we run into who are surprised that you can grow nuts in Nebraska, much less for human consumption and as a business. And some of that probably comes from the misunderstanding of what a nut is, because I think we think peanuts and we think almonds. But botanically, a nut is a fruit with a hard outer layer. And that's a lot of different things. So acorns, one of our favorite Nebraska trees, acorns are a nut. They're not ideal for human use, although you can use them. It just takes a little bit of processing. But we have a lot of nuts that grow in Nebraska, and we're going to highlight a few of our favorites for human eating, and then we're going to highlight a few of our favorites that may not be as desirable to humans but are great for wildlife habitat. So um, we'll just start. I'll let you start. What is the first one you want people to know about?
1: I, I agree with you. There, there is some surprise about the, the nuts that are available in Nebraska. There are uh, natives such as black walnut, hickory, hazelnut, and uh, there's some belief that pecan, way back when, was uh, maybe located down in the extreme southeast corner. I mm. uh, have visited some uh, property in northern northeast. Kansas, that uh, I think in the Leavenworth area, that we saw native pecans. So they're not far away. No,
0: they're not far away.
1: But uh, but as you said, acorn. I I, I am aware there's publications that talk about the value of bur oak trees mm-hmm. and all of the impact they have on on all kinds of uh, species around us. Yeah. But you you lead off here with hickory. And I think I think probably for Julie and I, that is our favorite. And it, it takes a very long uh, view on growing a hickory tree until it begins to bear fruit.
0: It really teaches us that horticultural patience that we yes. wish we didn't have to have.
1: <clears throat> it sure does. We, we typically, after grafting, uh, wait at least 15 years. For the first nuts to 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 appear, and and really to get good production, it's probably closer to twenty years.
0: That's a long long wait.
1: But uh, I I think probably um, for Nebraska, it's probably going to be an important nut. Um, we've we've had uh, also on our farm, we've had. Uh, some native hickory, but that is what's known as bitternut hickory mm-hmm. and uh, wonderful wood. Um, the, the other native on our property is, is hazelnut, which we were very surprised to find. But that little area in Johnson County is located just west of the town of Cook uh, to the pioneers of known as Hazel Dell
0: Makes sense,
1: yeah, 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 so they must have been
0: they must have many, found them. many of them, I'm sure. So we know the common joke when I say I work for the Nebraska Forest Service is we have trees. We do. We have native oak hickory forest in this part of the state. And so it makes perfect sense to me that hickories would be, you know our our first highlighted nut tree and you know something that does very well for us and something we can rely upon
1: and. I guess I'm involved because initially I was planting pecan seedlings, thinking that that was where I would put emphasis, mm-hmm. was, was grafting pecans. And then I, I learned from again, from the nut growers that pecan and hickory are close enough relative that we can graft a hickory scion to a pecan rootstock.
0: Interesting. I mean, that makes sense from, I have only worked with them from a harvesting perspective, but they are built very similarly. Yes. Just a little different shape.
1: Yes, and in in the uh, nut grove on East Campus here, there is a, a, a great example of um, hickory that is grafted to hickory rootstock compared to hickory that's grafted to pecan rootstock. And it works different from what I would have expected. The mm. the hickory scion on the pecan rootstock is actually more robust and healthier than hickory. That's very hickory, interesting.
0: So except. when we graft, we have the rootstock, which is the bottom half that gets planted and grows roots. And then we have the scion, which is what we put on top. Yes. And anybody who grows crab apples... You you can go out and look at this because the graft union on a crab apple is usually pretty obvious, so where yes. you can see that the the roots are different from the top. And usually we do that for hardiness, so it's kind of funny that you are saying you know our less hardy tree using it as a rootstock actually you yes. know makes for a more vigorous tree.
1: I don't know why, but it's interesting. Out, it, it's very clear to see out yeah. there.
0: Yeah. So for anybody who's not tasted a hickory, can you describe it for us?
1: Yes, it, it, it's two things. the The flavor is very similar to pecan, and and uh, the, the thing that's striking to me is that it's got the, the texture of the meat. It, it's got more of a crunch to it. Is mm. how I would describe kinda it. Kind of
0: buttery and soft, uh-huh. and a little more crunch.
1: Okay. Mm-hmm. Yes, very. I think very important in Nebraska. It's just the, the hang up is that it takes so long yeah,
0: to get yeah. them established. But if we're thinking ahead, you know, absolutely, that'd be a great way to set up, you know, kids setting to inherit a farm, plant them some hickories now. You yeah. may not benefit from that, but it's a great thing to gift to the next generation.
1: Absolutely. Yeah.
0: So shagbark and shellbark hickory are kind of maybe the two. If you've heard of hickories, you've probably heard of those two. And... We like them, one, because they get the neat shaggy bark. All hickories really do. It's, you know, we. I always kind of laugh because shag bark has the name shaggy bark. But really, like, I think I see more of that on shell bark or some of the others sometimes. And you see it faster. Yes. But they have larger, sweeter nuts, which kind of makes it, you know, more worth your while when, once you get through cracking that. But we also have bitter nut and we have mocker nut mm-hmm. um, that are also great hickories. Is there a preference in your mind or a diversity is better?
1: I, I don't have a, a lot of experience with mocker nut. I, I've read that it it did exist in eastern Nebraska. Okay. And um I think between the the two you mentioned, the Shag Bark and Shell Bark, to me are are, are uh a little hard to identify uh, in the woods. They're
0: super hard to tell apart, yeah. unless someone labeled it for you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's but hard.
1: When, but when you see the fruit, it is true. The, the shell bark has a larger nut. And I, I don't know how much of an advantage that is. I've, I've grown both and harvested both. The, the shag bark nut, being a smaller nut, is also easier to crack.
0: Mm, and That I makes kn- sense. I
1: know of people that have broken the nut crackers. <laughs>
0: Trying, trying to get the, to, trying to
1: do a shell bark. Yeah.
0: <laughs> well, when you're collecting just for seed production and you're just checking viability of seed, we just use a brick. But that's not how yeah. most people eating <laughs> eating nuts are going to do it. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> so, we've kind of been tying hickories and pecans together a little bit since they're closely related and and kind of similar. So, let's move to pecans. And so I think we've talked about that's where you thought you would go. And yes. You know, people know pecans or pecans, which depending yes. on where you are. That just sound, feels funny to say it that way. Uh, same tree, same same nut. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about what excited you to grow pecans? Was it just that you'd been told they kind of belonged in the area?
1: I think it was just the uniqueness of it. Okay. And, and this was happening in, in the uh, mid to late 1980s. And Dr. Bill Gustafson was Mm -hmm. here with the horticulture department and championed the uh, establishment of the pecan orchard in the East Campus. And uh, many of us joined the Nebraska nut growers about that time. Mm -hmm. And I think it was the draw of trying to grow pecans in Nebraska. We just hadn't imagined it.
0: Right. I mean, we think of it as a very southern thing. Yes. Yeah.
1: So, So the pecan seed that... The university supplied us with and helped us get going on was sourced from primarily, I think, the upper Mississippi River, Uh, maybe the Dubuque, Iowa area, for instance. And uh, they were very careful to bring us seed and and seedlings that we were expected to be able to handle the Nebraska winters and, and, and actually become successful for bearing their uh, fruit and we all were so enthusiastic and and uh, once we got the seedlings going we all wanted to learn how to graft
0: mm, of course i dr gustafson taught me how to graft i had him one of his last two years before he retired and um, it it's really cool it is and very fun
1: to see that first uh, successful graft that you come up with is yeah just it
0: was exciting. and I grafted a walnut I grafted some <laughs> yep. split leaf walnut onto a yep. a hardy rootstock and I was so excited about it yes. it lived I couldn't believe it <laughs> yes
1: yes I, I think uh, as we as we went along and, and the years went by uh, we a lot of us had to wait maybe seven or eight years before we saw fruit on mm-hmm. on our grafted pecans and then. Uh, Large amounts of fruit, probably by year 10, I would say. But what, uh, what we've struggled with, I've struggled with personally, and, and I know lots of the guys have had that same trouble, is predation. and um, Squirrels. Yeah, squirrels. And and what surprised us most was crows and blue jays. Yeah. And we figured out how to handle the squirrels, and, and we've been using— uh, primarily a, a, a metal sheet metal baffle around the trunk during the harvest season it's not permanently left there it's not left there for more than a month or so but but that will slow the squirrels down i'm sure there's ways they'll still be able to get up in the tree but they're going to follow the path of least resistance
0: so at least you you get them you don't you get away from the flocks of them just taking everything
1: yes and and really uh i think i have in the neighborhood of 100 grafted pecan trees on our farm i'll usually select six or seven that really look good in in any given harvest period i'll protect those and so the squirrels are after the other 90 that are easy to
0: get to that makes perfect sense and
1: it does keep them busy
0: that that makes absolute perfect sense now I do have to say,
1: yep. because
0: driving around Lincoln, you'll see night and shining armor trees all over the place because people think they're going to keep the squirrels out. Yes. What we're talking about is a temporary baffle, a temporary piece of metal around the trunk Absolutely. during harvest. This is not something you leave all the time.
1: Absolutely.
0: Yeah. I just have to say that. Yes. Uh, it's a tool. It's not a long-term solution. Yes. And... I'm sorry, but squirrels belong in your trees. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> if we're just talking about our average street tree, you're going to have squirrels in them, yes. and it's okay.
1: Yes, and, and, and I, I do admit that squirrels will travel in the canopy mm-hmm. from tree to tree. So the baffle around the trunk is just the best we've been able to figure out. I know people who have acreages where they have a dog that's free to roam. And they'll have less trouble. Them. Yep,
0: that makes sense. Yeah. They'll
1: have a lot less trouble. And uh so uh I I think uh I think that's fairly manageable. What is still a puzzle to me is how to deal with the the, the crows and the blue jays. Mm-hmm. I don't know of of any way legally, you know, <laughs> to, to deal with them. And I think uh probably the best we can say is that the, those birds won't begin working on the pecans until the pecans are ripe. Right. And yet the squirrels, if they're allowed in the tree, they'll start stripping the fruit off the tree before it's ready. And initially, I tried to race the squirrels to yeah, get the fruit.
0: which you can't really do. You
1: can't do. You 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 save the fruit, and you, you get it ready to crack, and you open it up, and, and it's unbelievable how— just a week's time will give you a filled pecan versus one that's essentially barren. Yeah,
0: that makes sense. But then with the birds, at least you're out there together. Yes. You know, at the same time. Yes, and yeah. it
1: is doable. You can collect quite a quite a lot. You, you can uh, get a lot from the lower limbs, way up in the top of the tree. It's too dangerous to get to if, mm-hmm. if you rent a man lift you can get right up there but that's too expensive
0: right do you do the shaking thing
1: we've tried it we tried it and what we found is we with pecan anyway we got pecans falling that were ready and some that weren't and then we left some in the tree that that were ready that didn't come that didn't down work. So, so not it, it super was, effective not for the cost
0: yeah, that makes sense. I always wondered about the long-term effect on the tree if we're doing this every year.
1: Uh, we did, too. Uh, we never saw any, any downside there, but uh, we had some of the, the old-timers in, in Nebraska nut growers who used long poles, mm-hmm. maybe with a hook on and They could reach way up there, maybe close to 20 feet. Hook a branch and, and give it a shake that way.
0: So shake the branch rather than the in trunk. The
1: tree. Yeah. yeah,
0: that makes sense.
1: And, and that seemed really effective. And again, keeps your feet on the ground.
0: Yes. Anytime we can keep our feet on the ground, yep. yep. it's a good day yep. for me. <laughs> Some people think differently. So, all right, pecans, h- hickories. Let's go next to hazelnuts, since we've talked about that in your area, too.
1: Yes, I... I do have uh, mostly just experience with the wild ones. Yeah. And uh, the Nebraska Forestry Service has worked with the Nebraska nut growers and made uh, the two hybrids known here locally as the, the Beast and the
0: uh, Grand Traverse. Grand
1: Traverse. Yeah. And we have members that have, have planted a number of those and, and with just with the intention of seeing what they could do with them. And I've... I've not heard much yet. I think the jury's still out. I think these plantings were maybe four years ago. Okay. But it's, what
0: was the the goal? Was it vigor, disease, production? What production, was, I would okay.
1: say. I, I believe yeah. so. I I, th- I think the the uh, the favorite thing for Julie and I with the natives is we planted them on around our house, and yeah. the fall color is unbelievable.
0: It is. I mean, if you want. I really like selling hazelnuts to people just, you know, at a plant sale who aren't necessarily trying to develop a nut orchard because it is something with three hazelnuts, you can get a good crop, Mm -hmm. but it's also just a beautiful thing to include in your landscape. It's a kind of shrubby tree. It could be a tree or a shrub depending on how you treat it, Uh, but the fall color is beautiful. The leaves are kind of neat. They're kind of fuzzy and, and textured, and it's not a hard... Thing to hand you know if you harvest you know hickories or something we've got to crack them and stuff it most people seem to be able to handle using a hazelnut
1: yes yes yeah.
0: and then if you like seeing deer and, and other wildlife come up they're fantastic for that
1: yes good habitat yeah,
0: yeah. I enjoy hazelnuts I don't have room to plant them I, I wish I did uh I think it'd be fun to to have a harvest of hazelnuts and yeah, it just it fits well into our native eastern Nebraska woods, and yeah, just beautiful, beautiful shrub. Well,
1: it was a positive thing that forestry did. Uh, I I can't say for sure, but I'm expect there's probably ten or twelve growers out there that I know of that, that are trying this. And, yeah. and with a little time, uh, we'll be able to see just what's. What what the potential is?
0: Yes, I really enjoy the work that has been done with hazelnuts to that it kind of brought a lot of light to this alternative crop. And I, I hate saying alternative crop because it's not alternative. It's it's more original than yes. growing row crop soybeans. Yes. Um, and it's it's great diversity to include. Would it be you know a viable business to plant five hundred acres of hi, hi, uh, hazelnuts and make your business just off that? Not likely, not necessarily a good idea or something we support. But as a as a addition and a diversity to the things you're growing, it's a beautiful option.
1: Well, and, and I think uh, Dr. Scott Josiah championed the hazelnuts while he was here, and and I'd heard uh, statistics that the oil content of hazelnut would rival, if not uh, exceed, soybean oil.
0: I believe that I I have a a spot here. I added we need to talk about nut production byproducts. Yes. And, and oil is a surprising one that people don't yes. think about. But nuts are very oily. I mean, I'm still trying to get some walnut off my yes. fingers from a week <laughs> ago. <laughs> yes. so, there's a There's a lot there that we can use, not just necessarily the nut meat. And then there's so many hazelnut byproducts. I mean we're as we go into the Christmas season we're gonna have hazelnut creamers and hazelnut yes. alcoholic drinks and hazelnut syrups and yes. hazelnut pies and coffee. Coffee and just, you know, hazelnut everything. So there's there's a lot of value added to the crop and that we always look for that as a viable, you know, agricultural business, that it's great to produce the raw thing. And then it's also important to have the value added option to increase profit. So Absolutely. That really helps, you know, encourage growers to look into that that option. All right. Would you like to go to Chinese chestnuts or black walnuts next?
1: We do have some Chinese chestnuts growing on our okay. property. Okay. And they look they look like back to predation. They look like they would be critter proof.
0: They're Sarah-proof. Oh. I, I do not enjoy harvesting Chinese no. chestnuts.
1: And, and I believe what happens is the deer come in, and I think they can use their hooves to stomp Smash them and them. break them
0: open. That I believe that. And yeah. then everything else comes in and yeah. gets what they leave. Yeah. And yeah.
1: I've, I've seen raccoons in our trees. I've seen squirrels. I've seen squirrels running with a, a chestnut burr. And their intent, of course, to get it open, and I I don't know how. How are they holding on to it? It well by the stem usually. Okay, if that makes (laughs) sense.
0: I picking them, so I've I've again harvested them primarily for seed to grow, but they'll go right through a a leather glove. Yes, I mean they are beastly things.
1: Yes, they are. They are a heavy heavy leather glove is the only way I figured.
0: And you still kind of don't grab them too tightly no that's exactly right gently (laughs) or just hold up your bucket and snip them off
1: yep And, (laughs) and if if you get them on the ground and stomp them with your foot like a deer would do That works
0: good. Yeah. Yeah. As long as you're wearing boots. Yep. Yeah. We always, because we were harvesting them for seed and not necessarily, I don't know if this changes when you're harvesting them to eat, but if you can protect them from the squirrels once they're harvested, if you can let them dry out, that husk opens and then you just kind of shake the bucket and all the nuts fall out.
1: That's the way to handle it. Yeah. You can lay them out in the sunshine for several days and they'll open right up.
0: Yeah. Now, Chinese chestnuts are not American chestnuts that we, you know, had in our eastern forests for so long. Did we have, Amer- was American chestnut native this far west, do you know? I don't know. We might have to look that up. I'm not sure.
1: I, I, I think the the American chestnut I've always heard of were, were the ones that were located at Arbor Lodge in Nebraska City. Okay. And it's very likely those were brought
0: in. That I mean, almost all of Arbor Lodge was, was pretty heavily planted, so yes. it's hard to say yes. just because Arbor Lodge has it they yes. they planted so many things they there. did and i agree i can't think of any any old american chestnuts outside of no. you know arbor day farms but w- i mean we know if you don't know the history of american chestnuts they were a huge part of our eastern forests decimated by disease um to the point i don't know that there were i mean there were like maybe a couple that escaped and lots of effort into using those ones that survived to try to breed Disease resistant chestnuts, um, but in the end, Chinese chestnuts are just—they're reliable right now. To you they know, are. the disease has really hung around. You can still get it. Yes. Um, and so we've turned to Chinese chestnuts to get a chestnut that is disease resistant and it's bigger. Yes. I don't yes. know if that makes it better. Sometimes you get more. I think with hazelnuts versus you know a larger nut, you get a concentration of flavor and and nutrition and. I wonder what we lost in the American chestnut when we got, you know, just because it's bigger doesn't mean it has yes. any more flavor.
1: Yes, absolutely. And uh, the, uh, the, the the chestnut from, from Chinese are uh, the only thing I've had experience tasting. I've never tasted I've never, American
0: nope, chestnut. Nope, I agree. I've never had the chance. And I think most people, you know, in this part of the world today, there may be some, some folks with a really good memory Yes, who've had them, but I I have only had Chinese chestnuts, and and they are good. I enjoy them.
1: And and comparing the two trees, what I've seen is that the American chestnut is more of a typical tree with a large trunk. Yeah, and the Chinese chestnut is, is a more branches, uh, smaller tree. I, they, they'll. They'll definitely uh, get up there 50 feet, I suppose. Mine aren't, but...
0: Uh, it's all relative. Yeah. 50 feet is a small tree compared to 80, I suppose. Yes. <laughs> I, yeah, I've experienced that too, a very low branching structure. Yes. Which has a benefit if you're collecting off of Absolutely. it. Absolutely. You, and you have grown Chinese chestnuts at your place. Yes. For, just because they they were planted in the landscape or purposefully for harvest?
1: My dad helped me plant those, I think it was 1995 or 96. Okay. We were told that they needed to be in well-drained soil, so we had kind of a sandy slope where we put them. Uh, I've been told by some growers that uh, fertilizer is important. I've never fertilized any of our trees exactly, but... uh,
0: I think there's always someone trying to say fertilizer's important. Yep. Yep. <laughs> they probably sell fertilizer. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> well, when you when you when you're collecting them by hand and 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 uh, it's kind of touch and go on uh, on just what your crop's going to be. Yeah. We really try to hold down the inputs, and uh, yeah, uh, we we know that the commercial growers have to look at that, and uh, but but we've just never done that.
0: It, it's completely different when you're, the scale that you're working on. Yes. Sometimes there's a detriment to having too large of a harvest. Yes. You know, if you're hand picking and you're hand processing and you're, you know, Absolutely. selling on a small market, there's...
1: It isn't as fun anymore. <laughs> no, it
0: stops being fun after, you know, yes, three does. or four weeks. So the one, uh, we have a note here just to remind people that horse chestnuts, they look really similar. Um and I, I don't know how really similar. If you, if you looked at them and compared them and looked at a picture, you can tell them apart. Uh, it's not quite to the extent of mushrooms where they can be almost impossible without guidance. You can tell them apart. Horse chestnuts are poisonous to humans if eaten, not just from touching them. They're not going to jump out and get you. But do identify your chestnuts before eating them. And we still love a horse chestnut for wildlife um, we just don't harvest them for human consumption. All right, the last one on our list of our favorite edibles for humans is black walnuts, and this is one of my favorites. So I'm really excited to talk about this one. Do you grow... You've you started. You've got. Do you still have black walnuts, or did you end up uh, harvesting for timber and moving on?
1: I I've never, to this point, I've never harvested for timber. Oh, uh, my trees are. Uh... I think I said earlier I planted the first ones in 1987, and we were encouraged uh, to plan ahead to maybe 40 years we'd be harvesting. But I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't ever promise anyone that it could happen that quickly. Yeah. And and the forestry folks have helped us a lot there. And I know we're talking about nuts, but uh, in terms of timber, uh, the log buyers will start looking at it when when the uh, small end of the log is 12 inch diameter. And I, I would never encourage anybody to, to, I've seen it done a lot, but I, I would never encourage anyone to harvest a walnut log until it was closer to two feet in diameter, which is a long, long time.
0: Yeah. But man, you're missing out on so many other benefits of that tree with nuts and Absolutely. and the canopy cover and just the fact that, I mean, you get in too big a rush to harvest, you miss a lot of profit too. Yes,
1: yes. And many of many of our members at Nebraska Nut Growers started in the same way I did. And, and uh, there was always this debate, well, we, we don't want to graft the tree because that'll ruin our chances of having a sawlog, But what many people did, and I think it's legitimate, is they uh, would... Would try to do the grafting a bit higher on the seedling, um, but in the end, attempt to identify a, a roughly an eight-foot saw log on that tree, and and then the hope was they could have their cake and eat it too.
0: Mm-hmm. It and, rarely happens that way in life.
1: Yes, yes, yes. That's absolutely right. But I, I've never looked back. Uh, once I learned how to graft these walnuts. Um, it's, it's really incredible the change or the difference you see comparing a native black walnut to one that's a named cultivar. Mm-hmm. And a named cultivar is, is just – I would compare it to um, Jonathan Apple if you're in an apple orchard or a Bartlett pear. These are just – uh, names that people identify with. They, they might really like a Jonathan apple where they'd rather not have a Red Delicious apple. But everybody can kind of take sides and, and they know what they like and what they don't like. And with walnut cultivars, it's not nearly as advanced at this point as the apple industry, but it's worked that way. It, it's been working that direction for about a 100 years, a, a little more than that, I would say, since they started trying to de- develop the black walnut cultivars. But again, back to the Nebraska nut growers, that, that is a group that if people are interested in learning to graft or um, uh, learning about these, these cultivars, these named cultivars, uh, I, I really emphasize that uh, if, if all you have is a native tree, Collect and crack those. They're they're just fine. The the, the benefits with a named cultivar and the effort that goes into grafting will result in uh, more nut meat. Uh, the ratio of the nut meat to the shell is uh, much improved. Uh, the, some of the best ones they're 30% nut meat. In a That's typic- incredible. Yeah, typical native, you're under 10%.
0: Which, I mean, that is the history of agriculture. Every time we identify a, a plant that's good for food, we as humans have selected the the larger food content to plant content, and you can see that in everything from strawberries to walnuts. Sure. And uh, it, it really helps when you put all that work <laughs> into cracking a whole bunch of walnuts to eat. You, it, it helps to actually get something to eat.
1: Yes, it, it does. And... and- Back earlier, we were talking about grandmothers who had people remembered cracking and walnuts and picking the nut meat. Um, I sincerely wish my grandmothers were still alive. I would love to show them how, what, cracking, how much
0: bigger we've gotten the nut meat. Yes, and and you crack
1: yeah. crack that walnut, and in many cases the nut meat just falls free. That's, oh my goodness! I
0: remember like little picks and yeah, things. Yeah,
1: yeah,
0: yeah. yeah I walnuts are one of my favorite nuts to eat i just the buttery taste and the soft texture i i really like almonds but they get hard on the teeth and walnuts Mm -hmm. are just they're easier they're good raw Mm -hmm. they're good cooked and baked and Mm -hmm. everything and i i enjoy walnuts
1: absolutely absolutely
0: i do have we've kind of learned some things about harvesting walnuts for eating and that husk which is you know it's the exocarp. It's kind of that fleshy part. You don't see that when you buy walnuts in the store. Sometimes you don't even see that they're in a shell. So if you've gotten walnuts in the shell from a store, they're, they're in their hard shell. Outside of that, when they come off the tree, they have a husk, a, kind of a fleshy husk on them. And it's green to start with. Once the walnut falls to the ground and turns black, it's very mushy. Um, and we've kind of learned, you know, I was taught this by Bob, who was taught this by other people. If you allow that to happen, you get that, you step on that and you squish it off, you get a much less bitter walnut. Sometimes people who've harvested their own walnuts, they get a reputation for being kind of bitter. Um, and that that really help really helps. Um, it does turn your fingers kind of orange. I was telling Dave when we started that <laughs> I'm still trying yes. to get some orange walnut coloring off my finger it makes a great dye if you're into botanical dyes walnut husks makes a great yellow dye Um, i can vouch for that as a kid i had many dyed yellow clothes from playing with walnuts (laughs) so i have a long history with walnuts um but i was just so my in-laws live in western nebraska and we were in crawford this weekend uh we were playing in the park and i saw these walnuts on the ground So, of course, I went to my car and I got a bag and we harvested some walnuts. That's why my fingers are yellow. (laughs) We started looking around the park and reading things. And to the best of our ability to find out, these trees were planted somewhere around 1917, 1918. Mm. Because we're in western Nebraska, they grow a little slower. And we do have a little less disease pressure on trees like that. They weren't as large as you would expect a hundred-year-old tree to be here. But they were producing plenty of walnuts. And so I brought those back. Hopefully we can grow them. Um, But down, you know, just west of there on the White River where my in-laws live, they have a walnut tree growing. And it's kind of a funny story. Um, My husband's grandfather had a bucket of walnuts that someone brought him from their tree in Oak, Nebraska. Brought them all the way out west to, I think they were hunters coming out and brought some walnuts with Mm -hmm. them as a gift. They ate them as long as they wanted to. And eventually they got tired of eating walnuts and checked the bucket. Well, it just so happened that one of the seeds landed in, they have a spring that creates kind of a swampy area that's it's pretty protected. And that tree landed there, and it's been growing there for somewhere around 50 years. So we stopped by that tree and got a few walnuts, too. Oh, good. So we did some walnut collecting this uh, this weekend, and, and I didn't collect enough to eat. I'm really hoping to grow these out and send them back to western Nebraska to grow. Well, that's,
1: that's important. Yeah. And, and you mentioned the, the black husk. I, I think uh, typically what we try to do is collect these. Uh, you can pick them right off the tree when, when as you say, they're, they're green or a greenish yellow. And to know again that your timing is correct on harvest, just use your thumb and, and try to press your thumb into that husk. And if you can make a pretty good dent, then you're ready to go. If, if it's uh, hard as a rock, you Just have to wait, mm-hmm. and and eventually, again, these cultivars are ripening at all different stages. The the window for from the earliest cultivar is around September twentieth to the latest is probably about now. So yeah. you've got about a month window. These these are ripening at different stages, but you get that off when it's still green or greenish yellow. Um, not so much green. I, I, I should watch out there. It's mostly mostly greenish yellow to yellow, is is just right. And then uh, uh, my my efforts to try and keep my hands from getting stained—it's
0: <laughs> useless. Yeah, yeah. You,
1: you buy leather gloves. Uh, I'm excuse me, uh, rubber gloves, and yeah. and that's your best defense. And then uh, I just collect them in a bucket. Get them in a kind of a central portion under the of the orchard, or under a tree, somewhere there, and just start stomping on them mm-hmm. with your boot, and and the husk will pop right open. You pick up the the nut in the shell, which is very slimy and uh, <laughs> and 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 will, will stain everything, including the bottom of your boot. So you don't want to walk into the house after you've been doing this.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Um, but. Uh, once you have those separated, uh, my little contraption for cleaning those is simply uh, something that would resemble a, a paint-stirring uh, tool that would hook onto a drill.
0: Yep, yeah, I can envision this.
1: Mm-hmm. And, and so you've got a five-gallon bucket, maybe half full of these walnuts in the shell without the husk. Bring the—add water to it right up to three-quarters uh, or nearly full— and you have to have a lid that typically come with the buckets. You drill a hole in the middle of that lid so that that shaft can come through. You hook the drill to it, and you start in. You keep a foot, one foot on top of that lid. If if that comes off, it's just going to, which it does sometimes, I guess. But, <laughs> but but that's the key there is is uh, to just uh, beat it for a I don't know, a minute, and then you dump the slurry out, try to keep the nuts in the bucket, refill, and, and do that again. And usually a couple of times with, with the drill and the beater, and, and you've, you've really cleaned them up. It's, it's uh, impressive. And then have a drying screen, a drying rack. Uh, I, I build them out of a 2x4 frame with a hail screen. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it has to have a lid. When I did this initially, the squirrels found them, and
0: ah, they thought they were in heaven. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. And I wondered where all the walnuts went. So you've got you've got to have have the lid on top. But uh, give it about uh, oh four or five days in that drying rack, and
0: uh, and you're then good to go.
1: Well, you've got them to a point where you can put them in something like an onion bag, some kind mm-hmm. of a mesh bag, hang them up. Uh, and at 30 days from the time you've cleaned them, then they've seasoned or uh, I don't know a better word to use, but but cured. they don't ha- yeah, they've cured. Yeah. They've cured. So the green taste won't be there.
0: That makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Nuts are an investment. They're something yes. that we use to feed ourselves through the winter. While we're not harvesting fresh things from the garden, so uh, we're not out in the orchard harvesting nuts to eat today. We're we're collecting them, we're preparing them, and and there's something to use through the winter season. That's why we have so much, you know, Christmas and winter holiday yes. thoughts around.
1: Yes, and and what I've just described with the black walnut is definitely the most complicated of the harvests: uh, pecans, yeah. hickories, uh, hazels. Uh, those are much simpler. Yeah, but uh, I, I think it's well worth the effort.
0: I think so too. I would agree. So that's not all the edible nuts in the world, but those are the ones that that we've chosen as as successful and typical in Nebraska. So I'm just going to go through the list real quick. Um, if your primary goal is to plant for wildlife, oaks absolutely as a, as a nut tree for wildlife, oaks are are key to so many species horse chestnut. We mentioned that before. Buckeye. I know we don't always want to plant buckeyes in Nebraska, but they are an excellent tree. They belong here and they, they do a good job, um, for our wildlife and, and provide high quality food for them. They're, these nut trees are key to getting some of these animals through what we call the starving season. So because that food lasts, it's storable. It lasts even on the ground. Um, Nut trees are so important for birds, mammals, all sorts of things. Yeah. Um, So we've we've talked about species. We're getting ready to plant some nut trees, some things to keep in mind. So we always tell people in the greenhouse, one of the key things, everybody wants to come in and plant a nut tree, but they only want to plant one because they're short on space because they love trees. And that's why they come to our greenhouse. If you want, if you're looking to harvest the nuts and get enough to make it worth your while... You need three. Uh, the goal here is we plant three. It would take you some really bad luck to get three males or three females um, for the trees that need that. And if we're talking about a tree that's you know has both male and female flowers, we still want cross pollination. Um, so hazelnuts, they are male flowering trees, and there are female flowering trees. So we plant three, so that gives us pretty good odds that you know one will be the opposite and will well, give us pollination
1: it's important that you're stressing that i i know 30 years ago a, a lot of us that were trying to get started with pecans did not pay attention when they talked about that part mm-hmm. and and we have uh, uh, inf- uh people now that are much more careful about uh designing their orchard so that you know say there's a Uh, tendency for southern breezes during pollination Mm -hmm. uh, it's important to get the pollinators located in the right spot but but this is a a good system you're talking about it is and
0: it's it's not perfect because what no one wants to have happen is they don't want two males and er and one female Um, and it can be tempting to say well that male tree doesn't give me any nuts I'm cutting that one down uh, you can't get nuts without that male tree. It doesn't work that way. So, and then, yeah, key, you know, we're we're talking wind pollinated species. So to have our, our pollen into the wind, being pushed into mm-hmm. the the pollinated species, that's important. And then the other thing, too, is sometimes we talk about we need pollination not to get any nuts, but we have to have pollination in order to get the vigor that we want. And that doesn't always come from the same. So with hazelnuts, you can't plant all three Grand Traverse. They they can't pollinate themselves. Mm-hmm. That's why we made two. Mm-hmm. That's why we have Grand Traverse and the Beast. Um, they pollinate each other, and so we have to think about that as well. Um, so it's not quite as simple as going out and buying one hazelnut plant, but it doesn't need to be as com- it doesn't need to be overcomplicated. Wherever you're buying, right. if you're buying from a reputable source. That that cares about education, they know these things and they will work with you. And a lot of nurseries that specialize in nut trees, they'll have uh, orchard prices. They'll you can get a you know collection of trees rather than what you would pay to go into their nursery and buy one nice ten gallon tree. You might buy them a little smaller, but you get a quantity that's a mix of your different varieties that Definitely. you need. Um, so so talk to people if you're thinking about doing this. Uh, there's so many so many resources we'll link to some of them. I'll link to the Nebraska nut growers okay um and we'll we'll link up anything we talk about as an important resource for somebody who's trying to get started very good uh what else do we need to keep in mind? what's something that you
1: there there's there's the um, there's the issue of just uh, a nice tree in a yard setting uh I think the hickories and, and really pecan as well make wonderful yard trees. Agreed. Uh, um, foliage can be beautiful this time of year. Um, the pecan tree has a tendency similar to a pin oak or they'll just naturally grow straight. And and some people really desire that. Mm-hmm. They want a nice straight trunk. And that I think that was one of the big selling points for pin oak
0: yeah it was that's why we have so many of them yes we do (laughs)
1: um
0: and you can use what we just talked about with pollination you can use that to your advantage in the opposite as well um if you really just love that straight tree look and you're okay with the occasional nut but you don't want a crop plant one pecan sure um so the you know that information's good both directions sure The other thing that I want to bring up real quick is that there is more to nut trees than nut meat. Uh, And we've also talked about timber. Uh, So there's a byproduct to everything that we grow. So with walnuts, we've talked about first we have the husk as a byproduct. Mm -hmm. And then we crack them and we have the shell as a byproduct. And these things are used... um, you know, I've heard of walnut shells being crunched up and then used for grinding and polishing things because they're yes. very hard. Yes. Uh, we use the husks of a lot of these different nuts for cattle and bird feed. And then you mentioned oil production. A lot of these nuts are very oily. That's one of the reasons they're very fatty. It's yes. one of the reasons they're so good for human food and animal food. We can produce oil from them. And then uh, we always, when we were ha- harvesting hickories for seed production, we don't need the husk for seed production, and it still smells like a hickory. So anybody with a smoker or a, a wood stove or a grill that can take pellets and things, uh, use those hickory husks to Absolutely. flavor their, that,
1: their meat. That works
0: wonderfully. Yeah. So think past just yes. the, the nut meat. There's a lot more we, we've got going on here. I think
1: one of the largest black walnut production facilities is down in southwestern Missouri and uh, those folks I I, I think maybe to this day put their emphasis on the shell they want the black walnut shell they process it and then it is used as a an abrasive or in in place of the sand for sandblasting it's not nearly as as uh, abrasive
0: that so, makes sense, and then you leave behind a biodegradable substance. Yes, maybe takes a while to degrade, but yes. it will.
1: Yes, and so their byproduct is the nut meat.
0: Yeah,
1: and, and uh, uh, I think Stockton, Missouri, is where they're located. Hammond's, and and you'll see their their uh, nut meat in the stores on the shelves. And it, it's uh, it's interesting that we we most of us focus on the nut meat, but yeah. in, in that case. It's about the shell.
0: That is really interesting. I would not have guessed that. Uh, so, all right, we have talked about trees. We've talked about buying trees, but when we have a nut orchard, so what are some of the things that go into managing? Just you know, we don't just have all these trees. We have to take care of them.
1: Oh, well, it, it, it is true. And when, when you're first up and running. And, and, and this varies from orchard to orchard, but uh, most of of my friends in the nut grower organization have had trouble with deer. Yeah, and especially this time of the year. And, and you, you can have the most beautiful saplings. And, and, and just overnight you'll 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 get there the next morning in your orchard and and the, the deer that are rubbing right now will absolutely tear that little walnut sapling to pieces. And so, it's not a popular um, um, cure, but what I've been able to have success with are uh, wire cages, mm-hmm. and it, it it works really well. It, it it has to be a certain size. I've I've tried different sizes, but four foot uh, tall welded wire
0: seems to work from, best. Yeah,
1: from the farm stores. And then you cut them in about nine-foot lengths. And when you wrap that around the tree, that gives you about a three-foot diameter. Mm-hmm. And it, I've had trouble with trying to save a little bit on the wire and try a two-foot diameter.
0: They get through there. They,
1: they can reach over top and, and yeah. browse the top of that little seedling. And so uh, in, in terms of that stage of growth, I I wouldn't even plant a tree without putting a cage on it. It's, it's just... It's just too disappointing when it gets all beat up. And you don't throw in the towel at that point. You just coppice the tree, cut it down. If it's really badly damaged, cut it down near the soil level, and it will re-sprout, and you can start over. But and, and,
0: When you're talking about waiting 15 years for a crop, you don't want to have to start over. No,
1: it, it's terrible. Yeah. Uh, every year is precious, it seems like, especially as you get older.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
1: But, but that is true. There, there's, there's also the issue of pruning. As the tree does get larger, um, you have to do some pruning. And uh, I think probably, uh, depending on whether you're trying to grow a timber tree or, or a nut tree, that, that varies a little bit. But uh, the, the beauty of and, and what I like about the hobby uh, of growing nut trees is it's very slow motion. Mm-hmm. So if you don't get around to it, this spring with your pruning, next spring's fine. You, you know you want to get the limbs trimmed in a timely fashion, but uh, sometimes it's, uh, people love their trees to death and they they go overboard <laughs> with pruning.
0: Yeah, I I have definitely seen that.
1: Yeah, yeah. So uh, so that's another uh, another part of the maintenance. Uh, y- you do get uh, other plants that begin to live in your orchard or under your trees. It, could be uh, red cedar. Uh, we have, in our case, some autumn olive that shows up. We have uh, uh, bush honeysuckle. And uh, if you go again to the hickory orchard on East Campus along 48th Street, you'll see lots and lots of bush honeysuckle and, and, and some of these others. And you just, uh, just got to keep, keep on them yeah uh, they're always going to be there uh, I, recently I've taken a, a, a plain old shovel and sharpened the edge as sharp as I could get it and walk around in my orchard and if in the a lot of these trees are maybe one foot saplings you know mm-hmm. maybe a little cedar tree that's one foot tall and you can pop it out just like you would a thistle if you're if you're digging thistles out in the pasture And uh, you don't need chemicals, you don't need a saw, you just uh, slice just below the sod, and uh, it's a one and done.
0: Good. I like those. That's the best way. (laughs) It is. All right. Well, we are running out of time, as any good conversation tends to do. (laughs) Uh, This has been absolutely fascinating. I really enjoy talking about nut trees because I'm just always surprised by... How new they are to so many people, uh, and there this time of year I think I always start thinking about harvest and um, Winnie the Pooh is very big in our house right now, so we are always picking up acorns because that's what Piglet does. So sure. we're just always thinking about you know that that perfect fall day in the hundred acre wood and there's there's nuts everywhere to pick up and store away for the winter when let's wrap up our episode as we do every time with our plant of the week and we've chosen a, a themed plant of the week this time so what is your favorite nut for eating
1: for both julie and i i'm, I'm sure it would be hickory and uh but uh Black walnut certainly comes in second.
0: That's really funny because mine's going to be the opposite. I'm going to say for eating, black (laughs) walnut is definitely my favorite. Um, I just really enjoy, I I like the texture. Sometimes Mm -hmm. the other ones get a little crunchy. And I just enjoy how black walnut comes in and is all soft and buttery and and easy to chew. And um, I really like the flavor it adds to baked things too. So now. So, favorite to eat. Now, what is your favorite to grow or either whether that's um, it's easy to produce and care for or it's beautiful? What's your favorite tree to grow?
1: I think recently we, Julie and I have regretted that we didn't plant more maples. Okay. This has nothing to do with nuts, but um, sugar maple in particular. And we're trying to uh, get more and more of those out there. And, And I did plant some in 1990. And those are now close to twelve inch diameter on the trunk. Okay. And so the neat thing there is, this past spring I began tapping them for sap. Yeah. And yeah. that that's a whole new, uh, whole, whole other new discussion. Experience. Yeah, but, yeah. <laughs> but beautiful fall color and uh, and and the uh, sap processing and the maple syrup is r- really worth worth the effort also.
0: Yeah, I would agree. Mine's gonna be hickory, so. I was just opposite of you. Walnuts, my favorite for eating. I love hickories for looking at. I just think they're majestic trees. I think there's something to be said for something that takes that long to grow. It mm-hmm. needs a little appreciation. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the bark is fascinating. Absolutely. So yeah, I just I enjoy looking at hickories, and I I like to eat them just fine, but they come second to walnut. So. <laughs> Well, everyone, thank you for listening. This has been Bloombox Growing Deeper, a program of the Nebraska Statewide Arboretum.